There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is a WTOP original podcast. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. The destruction of a dam in Ukraine. A terrorist act. This was um, callous, treacherous, but in many respects expected by us. Yuri Sack is an advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense. We knew from the interceptions that our intelligence services had from the past couple of months, we knew that Russians, these terrorists, they were thinking about blowing up the dam. It's being called the worst man-made disaster in Europe in decades. Well, no about it. Kurt Volker was a U.S. ambassador to NATO from 2008 to 2009. He says the only thing that would compare was a nuclear disaster in the 1980s. Chernobyl, which goes back, you know, 30 years. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. For 16 months, many of us have been trying to wrap our heads around what's been happening in Ukraine. Russia attacked that country, and they did it with bombs, they did it with missiles, they did it with booby traps, atrocities, the latest of which is a dam that was blown up, the Novokakovka Dam in southern Ukraine. This has unleashed a major flood, and we've got two interviews to talk about this tonight to figure it out, what's going on. Our first interview on this subject is with Yuri Sack, an advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense. Yuri, step us through what happened at the Kakovka Dam. A terrorist act. This was um, a callous, treacherous, but in many respects expected by us terrorist acts. We knew from the interceptions that our intelligence services had from the past couple of months, we knew that Russians, these terrorists, they were thinking about blowing up the dam in case things would begin to go badly for them on the front. And look, this is no coincidence that the day before they blew up the dam, we, the Ukrainian army, started to move forward on the front lines. I mean, this is not to say that the much-doubted counteroffensive had begun, but uh, things began to change in Ukraine's favor. And of course, by now, so much has been said about this counteroffensive that Russians are panicking, they're paranoid, they... Uh, they're afraid. 
And this is what they did. They just blew up the dam and, and the amount of destruction that they caused. Uh, we, we still are unable to assess the to assess it fully because, of course, you know, about 80 villages are actually underwater. Uh, we will have to wait until that water comes down. Our president gave an interview today uh, in the evening and he said uh, that even now, you know, as the evacuation process continues, uh, those people who are, for example, waiting for the emergency services to help them evacuate, they would sit on the roof and you could see bodies of dead people floating around. So you can understand that if it's thousands of households that have been flooded at night, I'm afraid there were people in those houses who didn't make it out. You know, they, they, they stayed at home. And this is just a human toll. In addition to that, and we've said it, this is like an ecological bomb of massive destruction because the devastation that this terrorist act has caused to the Ukrainian environment, this will take decades to overcome. So just to be clear, um, you think that there are hundreds or perhaps thousands of casualties, people who've died in these floods? It is very difficult, and I wouldn't want to speculate, but uh, a lot of people, maybe thousands, maybe yeah. thousands. We we'll have to. We hope that uh, we hope because look, uh, what we have to also understand is that the area that has been flooded, uh, part of that area is under Ukrainian control, part is under the terrorist control. Now we have been trying to, and our so roughly about seventeen thousand people. Uh, reside in the area which we control now 25,000 people are on the sort of temporarily occupied territory by russians and from what we understand russians have not been carrying out the evacuation process they they were just uh literally uh their army was fleeing themselves you know we have video footage of them trying to uh, evacuate from the flooded defense lines so um we will we will see what the amount of um casualties uh, is but it's it's going to be a shocking amount i think so what do you know about how this this um explosion um this this uh, this event took place where did it happen and how did they do it of course we don't have access to the actual facility to this uh, hydroelectric dam uh what we understand and this is now admitted by the vast majority of experts around the world, not just in Ukraine. See, this dam is it's been constructed in 1956 by the Soviet Union. And the way things were done back then, they were done to withstand a nuclear strike. So it is literally not possible to damage that dam to that extent from outside. So the most plausible scenario, and we knew because a couple of months ago, we had footage of Russian trucks arriving at this facility carrying something. Now, back then, we presumed that this could be explosives. Now, I'm afraid we can almost say with certainty that those have been explosives. They have planted them in this uh facility and they blew them up now an important thing to understand as well is that uh 
two days before the explosion, what they have done, they have deliberately accumulated the water reserves to the maximum. So this is something that is very unusual. But they have raised the level of waters to 17 uh, and a half meters, which by the standards of this hydroelectric facility is the maximum possible, which indicates that they wanted to cause maximum impact, maximum devastation. This is why they did it. So everything is pointing towards a very simple and self-evident fact that this is a terrorist act by the terrorist state Russia, which is pre-planned, which have which which they use in hope to somehow influence our military operations, and uh, they will fail again. So, how is this going to impact what you we've been we've been calling it a counteroffensive, but this is really an I think whatever is happening, it's an offensive now. So, how is this yeah. going to impact what Ukraine does next? Our military have been ready for this terrorist attack. Uh, they had intelligence that this was possible. So both our military and our emergency services have been preparing for this. Contingency plans were in place. And uh, our military are saying now that what has happened there will not have any considerable impact on our counteroffensive because, you know, there is one track whereby the emergency services are taking care of these people, relocating them, providing them with drinking water, shelter, uh, housing, temporary housing. But uh, this will not have a considerable impact. But, of course, we have to wait and see, you know, whether how this situation will develop because the water will continue to rise for another uh, maybe day or so. Then it will continue to come down. And uh, we will see, you know, how much, how, how many resources we will need to allocate uh, human resources. I mean, uh, in order to deal with the consequences. Finally, would you just give us a sense of what the general feeling? And I, you've kind of already alluded to that um, a bit in some of the previous interviews you've done. But just tell us how is it that Ukrainian people are feeling about this, this situation that you're in now? We are fuming and we are very angry. You know. And we understand, you know, the funny thing is that we understand that Russians until today erroneously think that they can intimidate us. They think that they can cause destruction to such an extent that we will fall on our backs, you know, and will start begging for negotiations and for a peace process. They think that they can break our will. Look, we have already sacrificed so much that... Nothing that Russians can do will change our mind. We will continue our fight. We will continue liberating our land. And we will restore justice. And when I mean restore justice, I mean that we will bring these terrorists and war criminals to account. So, uh, you know, if you ask anybody in the streets of Kiev or any other Ukrainian city, uh, everybody's just angry. In our second interview, we get a different perspective from Ambassador Kurt Volker, who is a distinguished fellow at the Center for European Policy Analysis. He served as U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine negotiations from 2017 to 2019, U.S. Ambassador to NATO from 2008 to 2009. Kurt, um, I've been hearing regarding this flood that uh, has taken place in in Ukraine, and that this is the worst man-made disaster in Europe in decades. 
Tell us what your view on this is. Well, no doubt about it, um, because this is clearly a man-made thing, and I would say it's clearly the Russians that have done this to prevent Ukraine from using it as an area of military advance. Um, and I can't think of anything equivalent that has been a you know a human caused error other than Chernobyl, which goes back you know thirty years. Yeah, this is really sad in part because it seems as though everybody believes, at least except Russia, or most folks believe except Russia, that Russia did it, and they supposedly did it to try to slow down or impede Ukraine's progress in this war, but it's not going to work. What do you think? Well, I think both of those pieces of the statement are true. So first off, uh, the Russians had control of this area for well over a year. They're the ones who put the explosives in the dam and in the engine room. Um, They're the ones who controlled all of that. So it's nothing the Ukrainians actually even could have done at this point. And then secondly, you, the Russians are watching Ukraine prepare a counteroffensive operation. And what they want to do, it's not so much about preventing Ukraine from crossing per se. It's channeling the Ukrainian forces to the extent they're able. Say you have to go east first and then south if you're going to break this land bridge between Russian territory and Crimea. And this is advantageous to Russia to force the Ukrainians into a certain area. So there's clearly a military purpose to this. Ukraine, by contrast, has no purpose for doing this whatsoever. So it strikes me as this is obviously something the Russians did because they're trying to steer a military advantage. So, Kirk, first talk about the humanitarian disaster and, the, of course, the ecological, bio- biological piece of this, but then what about the political part? How does this impact the, the, the global political situation? First off, I think that something that people need to understand is that there is a natural floodplain here that follows south from the dam. It's an estuary. And so as the water runs out, it fills this natural area. And yes, it does take out some settlements and farms. It's even taking out some landmines, as I understand but it's following a course that is the natural floodplain of the river. Um, That means it's not going to have much of a bigger impact than that in terms of the ecology, the environment, the economy, and so forth. It does, however, seriously impede the ability to cross the river south of the dam. The, the, The soil is now muddy and saturated. It's a very wide area. And it would really impede the ability of Ukrainian forces to cross from the south. So I think that's why the Russians did it. They had a military objective in mind. It's going to be temporary. This water will flow out and it's through a natural floodplain. And then when this water drains out of this reservoir, it'll be a natural flow beyond that. So no longer a, a lake above and water flowing naturally to the south. Um, As far as the course of the war goes, I think that Ukraine has a a pretty sophisticated idea of how to go after Russia's ability to supply its forces that are inside Ukraine. And if it can cut those forces off, 
they're going to have to pull back. And it's not so much about the fighting. It's not so much about punching through. It's more about making the Russian forces unsustainable. Russia's blowing up the dam as an effort to complicate the Ukrainian side. But ultimately, I think the Ukrainian side has the geographic advantage. So uh, as we look at what is taking place here and, you know, you mentioned the advantages that the Russians think they have and essentially the the the, re, the reality of of what's happening on the ground for Ukrainians and the the region there. Do you do you get the sense, though, that uh, Russia is going to be able to do anything different in terms of fighting Ukraine after this break that they're going to get here, slowing Ukraine down. Have you seen anything that suggests that no. Russia is? No, quite the contrary. Um, what we have seen over the last several months is that Russia no longer has an offensive military capability. They, they can't go forward. They can't advance. They can't take territory. And, They even recognize that themselves because their activities have been about building trenches and building tank traps and preventing the Ukrainians from trying to advance as they see it. So they know they are not able to mount an offensive at this stage. And that is not changed at all by this dam busting and the water flowing. The Russians are on the defensive. The Ukrainians, I think, have more options than those that are perhaps foreclosed by breaking this dam. They are already on the eastern side of the Dnieper River to the north of this dam. They are able to push east, they are able to push south, and the Russians have limited ability to prevent the Ukrainians from doing this. And if you think of the front line as kind of an arc, as a, as a semicircle, if you will, that means that the Ukrainians in the middle of that semicircle can go north, south, or east and have very short distances. They can move around, they can fake, they can create opportunities. The Russians, to react to that, they have a much further distance to go around the edges of that semicircle to the south, to the north, stay in the middle. And I think the Russians are in a very, very difficult position. That's why they did a desperate act like this. But also, I don't think this desperate act is going to mean very much. Ambassador Kurt Volker, a distinguished fellow at the Center for European Policy Analysis. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, the leader of Belarus says they now have tactical nuclear weapons that are three times more powerful than the weapons dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima in 1945. There are two problems with this situation. One, he's not telling the full truth. And two, the fact that they actually do have nuclear weapons now. We'll explore this in depth. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa, jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at wtop.com slash email. I'm JJ Green. 
And this is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. 